everybody, welcome to Talk It Out Podcast. Remember, you can listen to Talk It Out Podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff, wherever you can find a podcast. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash talkitoutpodcast, instagram.com slash talkitoutpodcast, and Twitter at talkitout underscore pod. This is your girl, Gabby. Joy. And KT. And we have a very, very special guest with us, Miss Danielle Thomas from Unfit Christian. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and where they can find you and what you do? Hey, y'all. Again, I'm Danielle Thomas of the UnfitChristian.com. I am a blogger, professional shit talker, and shade thrower for the Lord. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you can find me. You can find my blog at uh, unfitchristian.com. You can follow me on social media everywhere at unfitchristian. And really, basically, what I do is I bridge the sacred and the secular in a way that nobody else has done before. Um, I, I am a disruptor, and that's that's what I do. I, I bring you the best content um, in ways that most people don't expect to hear from people of faith. But that's what I do. <laughs> and I, I love it. it. Yeah. We love it. We love you. We love it. And thank you for coming on the show. We definitely appreciate you um being here with us today. And uh yeah, I just want to add I found um your blog and the Facebook page on Twitter. Um some Twitter we're following, I think it's Quirktastic or something like that. They had like all these blogs you should follow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found you and I fell in love with, with the group and the page. I go under another name there because I'm anonymous here, but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. That's how people find you on Facebook. They be oh, like, yeah. I heard you say your real name, so I went and added you as a friend, but I didn't yeah. need to do that. You just follow us at Talk It Out Podcast. That's People's what we do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I if y'all y'all go right now and, and go to her, her blog and go to her Facebook page, you will not be disappointed. Really good stuff going on down there. Um so first of all, before we get into our main conversation, I want to talk a little bit about your blog and what exactly an unfit Christian was and what called you to start the blog that you have. So for me, um, the biggest thing about being an unfit Christian is just somebody who finds themselves at the margins of traditional Christianity, largely somebody who probably grew up either evangelical, charismatic. Um, the black church in general. So people who have that lived experience and they go through the homophobia, the anti-sex or sex negative, Mm -hmm. they go through all of these things that make them super conservative. And then they start experiencing a learning transformation either because they started attending a higher education or started surrounding themselves with people and different social circles that were outside of their church. It's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, Hey, wait, everything I've been taught in church is suddenly starting not to make any sense anymore. Right. So that is what I created that space for, for folks to see that there is room at the cross for all of us, no matter how radically different our approach to God is. Um, I, I'm definitely LGBTQIA affirming. Mm-hmm. I'm sex positive. Cussing is part of my fivefold ministry gifts. So <laughs> I'm definitely that person <laughs> who is giving you that more progressive faith-based um, outlook on pop culture and 
different facets of the church, different social facets, politics. And that is what my space is for. And I didn't have any other spaces like that. Right. Other progressive sites are very, they're progressive face sites, but they're very white. I uh-huh. mean, let's just be honest. Yep, that's true. They, there is a, there's a whole experience in being part of the black church mm-hmm. that it's only understood if you've been part of that experience. So I wanted to make a space for people who looked like me so they could be affirmed and they know that they are whole, even as they find themselves in transition and in flux of what they believe and how they approach their beliefs. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what attracted me to your page, because like you said, I have been a part of those Christian page. I'm a part of a Christian anarchist page. I'm a part of a Christian vaporwave page, but like it's all white men. And at a certain point it's like the conversation is limited. Um, everybody there's straight pretty much. And when Mm -hmm. I got to your page, it was just like, whoa there are other black people out here that are radical progressive that are thinking outside of the box that are questioning their faith um all types of stuff like that so i i definitely love the page and i definitely felt at home there thank you yeah i'm doing something right you gonna get me points with the lord this week (laughs) (laughs) and like hold on kt and like even me i i actually uh follow the page as well and um I'm an atheist, but like it, it still works. And, and I can see that like for me, it's just it's beautiful because it's not normally what you guys are saying. It's not normally what you're seeing in uh, Christian based uh, groups. So I think it's really awesome that uh, that everyone can come together and and basically, like you're saying, question it and and figure out what is real and and determine that some things that the church is feeding us are lies and we got to figure out for ourselves what is great and what we can do. So it it makes me as an atheist look at the church like, oh, okay, this is beautiful. And we have people who are actually uh, working towards the greater good in the Christian faith. That is exactly that's that's a whole other reason of why I, I do this work. I have, believe it or not, a lot of agnostic and atheist uh, segments in uh, my audience and village. And they give me that same similar feedback. Like if I had met you before I left and decided I wasn't going to be part of this anymore, maybe I would have been in a different space as far as my relationship with right, me. Right. Now, my biggest thing is I, I don't proselytize. So I'm never out here trying to say you want to get to know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm the person who goes I want you to see the work that I do and say, okay, if I ever want to have an open mind about that, and if I ever want to approach, you know, a religious or even just a a, a deity type of relationship again, this is something that shows me that there are people and there's community there for me. And it doesn't look like what I came out of. Right. And I actually have a whole series on the blog called Losing Faith. Mm-hmm. So it's that space for folks who submit stories to me who are either now agnostic, questioning, or they're now atheists, or they're practicing other faiths. And I find it so enriching. I'm not one of those folks who runs away from people who say, well, I'm not a believer. Right. I find that so engaging. It helps me challenge and say, do you believe what you believe because it makes sense? Or are you believing it because that's what you've been taught? Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps me in that whole questioning phase. And I, I just love getting that feedback and hearing those experiences. It lets me know I'm doing something right. Again, points with the Lord this week. You're just getting them all, getting all the points. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was just saying that she is funny. I like her. 
<laughs> Got a joy stamp of approval. Oh, so there you, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't point switch all two. Um, so Danielle, when you first started your blog, um, I know you you come up in the black church and you know that tends to be a conservative type environment. But when you first started your blog and maybe you shared it with family and friends, was there any um controversy surrounding it? Did you get any blowback or people um upset? The interesting thing is my dad, rest his soul, he just passed last year. My dad was a preacher. Okay. So I'm actually a PK. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, um, my dad loved to like hear my writing and to, to hear what I was talking about as he grew up in the same, you know, super strict, super Jesus. That's the best way I could put it. Um, environment mm-hmm. that's super restrictive. And as I watched my dad age, even as a preacher, he began to question, which kind of gave me the strength to say, okay, if he a preacher, he questioning, surely, you know, it's okay for me to question. Right, right. My mother is like my number one supporter. Wow. Um, Gabby, you see her in the group. So, you yeah. know, my mom would be up in there. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I had like family. I had support. My friends, I had support. Honestly, believe it or not, I had the concept for Unfiction for about three years before I actually launched the site. Hmm. And I just had that fear of pushback, not from my immediate family and friends, but from the public. Okay. I wasn't sure folks were ready for that. I wasn't sure, even though I was trying to create a community, I wasn't even sure there was a community to create. You know, I uh-huh. was expecting so much blowback, so much pushback for folks going, you know, I'm a heretic. I've gotten that. But I'm okay with it now. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm unsaved. I'm leading folks to hell. I'm going to hell. Okay, fine, child. But <laughs> once I kind of got over that and I listened more to, I started to amplify the voices that were supporting me mm-hmm. rather than worrying about the idea of who was going to be my detractors. Right, right. And that is what really helped me and helped sustain me even now. Wow, that's beautiful. I don't know. That's what I was saying. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Like, I, I know, know you just, I know you're bringing such I, a positive wanna... vibe to, to talk about yeah. podcasts. Normally uh, we're really controversial oh. and we hate each other, but this is really beautiful. Uh, so. No, we don't. <laughs> don't. Uh, I'm going to some of y'all episodes that is not true. Y'all have a good camaraderie. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get into the main topics this week. Um, The first one is going to be the broad topic of millennials in church. Now we're we're all millennials here and we've all grown up in the church. <laughs> we've all grown up in the church um for a significant period of time, I would say. Okay. And all of us are at different walks with the Lord. We have some atheists questioning, we have devout Christians in this group. So um our our first topic will be about millennials in the church, why a lot of them are leaving um, and what the church can do to bring the millennials back. So I'll start the question first with the atheist. I'm going to ask the atheist lady why she left the church. First of all, why you got to call her the atheist? Because she is. The atheist white lady. Let's ask her that one. Oh, gosh. I love it. Uh, Okay. So, oh, my gosh. There's so much to it. Okay. So, let's start. Let The what you say? The abridged version. Yeah. Let's start. Let's get the short version. No. (laughs) Um, Basically, the reason why I left the church is because um, 
I, I'm actually a part of the LGBT community, and uh, all my life, my mom basically beat me and told me that because I'm LGBT, then I'm basically going to hell. The Lord isn't going to help me. And so, like, eventually, church kind of became triggering. And um, so, basically, after uh, I was like, okay, well, I understand now I'm going to hell. I was like, uh, I don't really believe in all that. And then I was an atheist. Um, also another part of that was that I had dated this guy who was completely and utterly so, um, devoted to being with God and, and we would pray every night together and like, he ended up cheating on me and like leaving basically the state after I had well, miscarried. That's very Christian. Yeah. Like miscarried with his child. So it, after that. After those experiences, both of those, like, throughout my life and, and seeing that guy and then, like, going through all these things with the Christian faith, it, it just completely turned me away. And um, I never felt like, quote, uh, God, so to speak, was um, was there for me. So uh, what what basically is continuing to to keep me away, like, it's not cut and dry. Like, there, some churches are saying this, some churches are saying that, some, like, and I know there's all different types of, of Christians, Baptists, and Pentecostal, and all of that, but, like, like, it just doesn't make sense to me as a person, and maybe it's because I never really researched it, or I didn't care to research it, but really, it's not... It's not clear enough for me as to what is right and what is wrong. You know what, though? Your story is so common. Even among those of us who are questioning or still in the faith mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, it's so common. You Church hurt is real. That's yeah. number one. Um, and until you start to really acknowledge that, and when I say you, I mean the body as a whole that's denying it, until you start acknowledging that is a big factor into why people don't want to have anything to do with church um you're going to continue to have this dissonance that you have but i i'm i hear your story and i'm like if i close my eyes i can picture 17 different faces immediately with similar stories because that's how common this is and everybody knows somebody or is that somebody who has experienced some kind of hurt in a church and religious environment and unfortunately, you have some people saying, well, just get over it. You yeah. don't stop going to the doctor because you had one doc- right. bad, bad yeah. doctor. But it's a different thing. Yeah. When uh, it's, it's, it's talking about matters of the spirit and the heart. And that's a whole different thing. Yes, I can go find another doctor. I can go find another job. I'm not emotionally attached to that. Mm-hmm. With a church, I'm invested into it spiritually and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm harmed by it, It's just like being harmed in a relationship, a romantic relationship, or a family kinship. It's devastating. And so I I completely understand. And I don't even get upset when people say, hey, that's why I'm out. I go, I understand. And I hear you. And I wish there was a way for me to fix the harm that has been done to you. But that is why I do this work, is to make it more visible and to make God more accessible to folks, even if that is not within the confines of a religious organization or a church building. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying I hear you and I affirm you, but I'm not hurt by you. Thank you. Thank you. you, Thank you, girl. I affirm you. Oh, my God. I got to use that. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. What's your story? (laughs) I'm a fan. (laughs) But, um, okay. 
So I just feel that I understand completely why people leave the church. And me, myself, I can't speak, you know, for anybody else, but through my perspective and my experiences. So with my church, I actually have, I wish I could leave. There was a point in time where I really hated to go to church. Mm -hmm. And it was because I just felt like it was being forced on me. Yeah. And my mom was like, and and it wasn't even that I didn't believe in God or that I didn't even really want to go. It was more like a rebellious thing. My mm -hmm. mom is telling me I have to do this and I really don't want to do this. I want to prove that I don't have to do this. Hmm. But we have a rule. As long as you live in this house, you will go to church. And as I got older, I actually enjoy going now, especially to Wednesday Bible study because mm -hmm. you know you get that back and forth and not just that lecture. Yeah. But I see why people um people do not like to go. I definitely do. It is a, a the church that I am in, we are Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. And Church of Christ has a stigma of being like of being um oh really, really strict and we don't do we don't, you know, sing songs and we don't you know, have rhythms or whatever. True. We don't, we don't have like, um, instruments, but we have him, we sing, we do that. But the reason why people, my church, I feel as far as the youth wise, as millennial wise, do not want to come is because there is nothing for us to do. Nothing. Yeah. Go to church and then come back. And then we're supposed to have a fellowship at church, but who are we fellowshipping with? And that, that kills me. Exactly. And it kills me because I really, for me, I really want to be invested in my church because I feel like I can do some really good there, mm -hmm. some, some real good there. But what am I supposed to do when we're just now having a youth for like this past month, we just got a use uh group and it's supposed to you know do the things guess what the ages are for this youth group what ages 18 to 35 uh -uh. and i don't understand that no that's what? the millennial age group really mm -mm. it's it's like 22 to 35 yes it is i know it is but there is there a 37 year old but and I, 18 year old at 35 because off at 35 no, she 37. said 37 why are you arguing with me I'm no i said 35 she did say okay 35, 35 whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. you owe me an apology <laughs> i apologize well what do they have in common what does a 25 year old have in common with the 35 year old yeah, I, I mean plenty. so i just mean realistically speaking it's not life experiences or spiritual experiences but you're 35 you're trying to pay bills you're trying to uh figure out what you want to do Girl, with, that's me you know, now I, Girl, I, I was gonna say i don't know about that's 25 that ain't trying to pay no bills <laughs> that's <laughs> me now what you talking about you really consider more grown than the 25. Yeah. No, the 35 is almost 40. That's that's a that's a decent age. You know, that's mature. Exactly. That's like a, that's I'm a grown, grown age. That's like I'm gonna need to have some kids age. Yeah. You get know what I'm saying? Okay, thank you, Gabby, for trying to understand what I'm saying. You. you didn't hear her, did you? She said that's MILF status. That's what she said. 
up. It kills me because you know, I know all their business, but they act like they stuff don't stink. Yep. And that really what kick gets me is because you talk about other people and you you don't talk about yourself. And as a church, I'm just going off because I'm, I'm so upset because I just feel like we're we are not welcoming as a church. I'm going to make mine real, real brief. Um, so for people that do not know, I went to a private school, private evangelical school from kindergarten to 12th grade. So I was indoctrinated and all that for all my life. I had to go to church every day and um, cry rehearsal and Bible study and all that stuff. So I get churched up. I get over churched, I think. And uh, when I look back over my life, it had gotten so bad. I remember in ninth grade, I wrote a paper that was like, we need to put prayer back in schools. And the reason that we having all these problems is because the folks ain't praying. And the reason that uh, Hurricane Katrina happened is because all them gay people live in New Orleans. And the reason that we have all these school shootings is because we can't uh, read our Bibles in school. Like all this craziness. I remember getting applauded for that paper. I got an A plus on that paper. Everybody was like giving me high fives. Like I was the, the big man on campus at school for writing that terrible homophobic disgusting paper and then I remember um fast forward like to 12th grade I my paper that I wrote for a bible class um was like the total opposite and throughout those four years I made a dramatic change simply for the fact that my eyes get open to a lot of stuff my eyes get open to the racism that I was blind to for all that time the racist evangelical Christians who claim to love God and then also the hypocrisy of a lot of evangelical christians who claim to love god and um so yeah that that kind of started the catalyst and then i went to college and um that really opened up my eyes and i stopped going to church because the, uh during that time i had only gone to church because i had to and um i had only gone to church because it was entertaining and a lot of crazy stuff would happen in my church but i didn't want to go to anybody else's church because i really don't go to church or didn't go to church to read the bible or to to hear somebody preach i, I came to church to laugh and if they weren't having fun i didn't want to go so i stopped going to church for four years when i came back i was like no i i don't even know what's going on i i don't even feel anything like i don't even have the need to pray no more like, why am I here? But I, I kept going to church because it was the right thing to do. And then I ended up coming out to my mom. And when I did that, that really opened up my eyes to some stuff because she didn't she didn't physically kick me out the house or anything. But a lot of the stuff she was doing, like quoting scriptures and saying that. I, oh, my little baby. Y'all got me going through some stuff. I'm sorry. And saying that I couldn't be, I couldn't be a Christian and and love who I love. That really, that really like made me step back and question everything. Like, why am I? Why do I believe in this if it goes completely against who I am and what am I doing here? So, ever since then, I still believe in God and I pray and stuff, but. As far as being a devout Christian and all that stuff, yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not really into that. So that's one of the reasons that I left. Just realizing that I had been indoctrinated with all this toxic stuff and and all the, the patriarchal stuff that I had learned throughout that time, it really turned me off. So ever since then, I've been, you know, just kind of on the sidelines. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be all right. You're going to get through it, little Gabby. Yeah, I think this really kind of goes back to the, to Danielle, you were talking about the church hurt. I think it kind of goes back to that. Like, the church has hurt so many people, and, like, it just continues to happen. So that's kind of why. Absolutely. I think that definitely explains why millennials don't really want to be there anymore. A lot of us are into the whole, um, uh, you know, we we want the best for everyone. So whenever it hurts people that we love and and people that... um, you know, that we're close to, then it kind of turns us off. Yep, yep. I yep. just, I couldn't continue to be in spaces, churches that didn't affirm people that I loved um, based off of really faulty and really terrible interpretations of scripture um, and based off really a need. I've talked about this and it's not just with LGBTQIA identity, it's with women, it's with um, women's sexuality is with race is with so many other hierarchical structures that we have um, that the church feels a need to reinforce those hierarchies so as was mentioned earlier you know you have spaces that the only thing that seems to exist in their eyes is being you know gay or lesbian they don't even have enough knowledge to acknowledge the rest of the spectrum but that's a whole nother conversation um they want to continue to beat that dead horse. And you have millennials who are cognizant enough to say, but there's so much else going on. We have grown up pretty much with our whole lives being marked by violence and terrorism. You know, most of us came of age during 9-11. So that's the hallmark of our lives. And then, you know, we're on terror and we're on this and, pretty much it just ends up being a war on identity. So we're growing up and we're seeing folks get shot in the street because they were the wrong color at the wrong place at the wrong time. And we're not seeing any justice being brought to that. Yet when I go to church, which is supposed to be a place of solace, a place that's supposed to pour into me, Mm -hmm. instead of you telling me how I'm going to survive through the week when I'm so heavy with what I see going on in my world, you want to tell me, well, God will do it as long as you stop walking in that homosexual spirit. And when you give up that lust demon, and when you give up that, I don't need to hear that. First of all, that's not what my struggle is. God created that in me. So that's not a struggle. That's just who God made me to be. Right. That's the first thing you gotta get straight. So that is why I couldn't be in spaces. My dad's best friend, who preceded him in death, was as gay as the day is long. My dad never hid it. He never apologized for it. He never he never let anybody disrespect my uncle James. Um, he loved him, and he never tried to say, "Well, you know, you're going to hell." It was right. never that backhanded. Love the sinner. I hate the sin. First of all, that's completely ideologically like broken. But again, we ain't got time for that. It's wrong. So, but I never witnessed that with my dad. So when I have that as my example, I couldn't sit in churches and continue to sit in churches that want to indoctrinate that in me. And I know it's harming folks. My dad was sick um, before he passed, and his caregiver was gay. 
is gay. So how am I going to sit here and say, I'm going to condemn the man who took care of my father for the last eight years of his life, which allowed me to get two degrees, to get my life started and to not have to worry about my dad's day to day care. Why would I condemn him to hell because of who he loves? Right. How much sense does that make? Zero. Absolute like, zero. Nobody's thinking about these yeah. things in logical terms. And it's, it's, it's so horrific because I'm looking at it and we, we're teaching parents to hate their children or at the very least make them not feel welcome, which is just as harmful as it can be when you're talking about this is a loving God, but you're teaching people how to hate who someone loves, Mm -hmm. these things don't make sense. They don't match. And that is why I I just, I had to step away. I can only go to church. Like if I go to a church service and they start preaching some nonsense, I have no problem getting my stuff and walking out. I've reached that point in my life. Um, So I try to only go to sacred spaces, spiritual spaces that are firm and that are open and they are looking to help people be better people because your sin is not your sexuality. Your sin might be self-doubt. Your sin might be self-hatred because you're hating yourself, even though that's who God created you to be. So you're hating something that God created in you because you've been taught to do that. That's a sin. Mm -hmm. We don't want to break sin down that way. We want to break it down to things that are tangible and easy to talk about. It's easy to say, oh, oh, well, you screwing so-and-so. That's easy to point out. It's hard to say, I see you're broken. Let's talk about where your brokenness came from. Right. That's hard to do across the pulpit. That's hard to raise an offering off of. That's hard to create a twenty dollar, fifty dollar, hundred dollar line for. Yep. You that is so, so true. So that is one hundred percent true. That's hard to shout the balls down to you, and so we don't address it, and we're not addressing it as a body. And that is the biggest reason, as was mentioned earlier, millennials. We want something out of the service that we're doing. And we want to be of service in the places that we called ourselves associated with. Mm-hmm. They like to say that we're self-centered and all this stuff. We, I think some, we're some of the biggest of service people in the world. Like we just yeah. want everybody to feel better and be better and grow. And I'm rooting for you, girl. You, you got this. Yes. Go do that. Like yep. we gas each other up all the time. <laughs> Don't even know you just retweet you on Twitter. You go girl. You do yes, it. Girl. I think <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I, I, I kind of want us to, to get on to the to the next question here. But ha- so we we obviously we're talking about like all the things that the that the church has done and, and all the things that it's making us do and and things that we think that uh, it can it can do better at. But what is what are some of the things that we think that the church can do to get us back? Us being millennials. Oof. Acknowledge us in our humanity uh-huh. and acknowledge the breadth and depth of what it means to be our generation, make room for us. Um, if we're, if we're telling you these issues, cause we've laid it out candidly. Y'all know, I wrote a whole article on the blog about it. And I'm the, the first person to do that. We have laid it out repeatedly. These are the reasons why we have left, but people close their ears because it's not comfortable for them to hear. The only way we're going to come back is if you make space and allowances for the things we've already told you the problems are. They're not 
no problems that are irreparable, you can fix them. You have to have a a heart to do it. Right. And unfortunately, it feels like a lot of churches do not. Now, there are a lot of churches that are doing the work to be more inclusive in in ways in terms of sexual uh, identification, gender identification, and um, generation and every other demographic that you can think of. And hats off to them. But the vast majority of these churches are not, and you're not, you're going to continue to see a decline in millennial attendance until such time that they do make room and actually hear what we're saying and not just give lip service to what we're saying. Right. And I think in uh, one of the, the videos that was posted on your group about, you know, the guy calling out the the, the um, prophet, you were saying that. A lot Wasn't of- that? Yeah, um, you were saying how a lot of times we focus on these big mega churches, but a lot of uh, toxic stuff is going on in these smaller storefront churches. And, yes. and I agree to that 100% because while, you know, these bigger churches like Hillsong and stuff like that, they, they try to start being progressive and, and uh, being inclusive, kind of, you know. But a lot mm-hmm. of times these storefronts and these smaller ones that are populating these cities, that's where some of the most... Uh, regressive and and um, uh, traditional and conservative Toxic. politics and stuff is going on. Like um, I remember, I went to a church last Sunday, um, and there were no, there was nobody my age, nobody. Um, everybody was either like a child, like under the age of ten, or over the age of fifty. And I was like, no, why, why is nobody here? And then I realized because a lot of the stuff they were saying was off the wall. I didn't see them doing anything necessarily in the community. They were classes talking down about people that lived in certain areas and, you know, trying to get folks to give a hundred dollars and someone to seed in the, the building fund or whatever. And I was like, this is just so outdated and outplayed. Y'all aren't doing anything like you're literally doing nothing mm-hmm. and y'all out here um asking why we're leaving because acting like we have something that's inherently wrong with us like we're evil and we don't want the lord it's just that y'all are doing zero diddly squat nothing and a lot of our people our age are getting more into um social justice issues politics a lot of us just trying to make make a dollar because of the way the economy is we we need to be have a place that is cultivating uh politically they're doing stuff in the community help us learn how to get um learn how to i don't know maybe sew into people's businesses or something show us how to how to um make economic growth like teach us something and and also be a place that's safe for everybody where we can all come together and grow spiritually and um mentally i think that's what the church needs if they want to get people like us if they had something like um, maybe you come and you learn about maybe how to do your taxes or something like that. I think that mm-hmm. will attract a lot of people our age because we have no clue. And then you can go in there and, and put in God when you need to. But I think little things like that are stuff that could, you know, bring some millennial people in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I've, I've talked about this with small churches is that at least here, cause I'm in Atlanta. So at least here in Atlanta, and I know this is, the same in many other cities across the country. There is a strip mall and three different churches in it, and yep. they each got fifteen members. Yep. If y'all don't get together, and be one church. Like, why y'all but that is so true. <laughs> but like, okay, they all thinking everybody got the word. Everybody got the word. Yeah, no, just yeah. get together, be one church. Be co-pastors. Like, why are you doing 
doing this. And I bring that up because it's just a point to me about how. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Here she goes. <laughs> I got to get this trying to pay the rent separately and you got to move to the next store front because you can't pay the rent there like we could make this so much easier if y'all just came together to be in one church I but agree. this is it kind of lends itself to why i say smaller churches are where people need to pay attention to because you got those few members and they're not touching the community around them so they're not like you know, canvassing those communities and making, you know, uh, maybe after school tutoring or uh, some kind of, you know, bread pantry or something that impacts the 10 mile radius community around them. No, they, they come together. They, they shout the walls down three and a half hours. They go eat at Piccadilly, come back (laughs) to night service and they shout the walls down again, and then the next morning they get up to get on the bus to go to their minimum wage job, but they've been in this church for 15 right. years with 10 people. There's no growth there. Nope. And you still got people who are in there, and I have been in small churches, so this is how I, I know them so intimately. I've, I've, I've heard pastors, you know, preach against voting, mm-hmm. preach against getting education. Mm. Oh, God, that's the biggest one they preach down against is. Because, I mean, obviously, if you go to college, you're going to start getting enlightened and some of that stuff they've been preaching about before, it makes no sense. Yeah. So, you know, they're preaching against, you know, being politically involved, getting education beyond uh, high school. They're preaching against wealth. Yeah. But meanwhile, they're asking you to sow a $100 offering. Right. I have literally been in church and seen someone get put out because they didn't have an offering to no. give the pastor for a pastoral anniversary. Oh, my God. I am not lying to y'all. I have so many stories for days about small ministry exploits that, like, we would need, like, six-part podcasts for it. (laughs) So, my point is, this stuff is so common, and a lot of people, they gravitate towards these small ministries because they have been indoctrinated to believe that God is not really at those mega ministries. They're just all about money. Never mind that the small church you're in is draining your pockets, too. True, yeah. But they have convinced you that you're just sowing into the kingdom there. You're doing God's work there, as opposed to if you went to a mega church. And they're pouring into them. And I didn't mention that half the 15 members, seven of them are children. Now, <laughs> and so you got... <laughs> I can't do Listen, go to your, just just drive down the street tomorrow morning, go to a little storefront church, and you're going to see I ain't lying. You ain't it's lying. It's going to be the exact same thing. Yep. So, you know, they, they're, but they are so, because there's so many of them, they're so much more impactful than your 10,000 member mega church. Right. Because those little small churches that are in the corner in the neighborhood, yeah, those 15, they start adding up. And if it's three churches every block, it's a lot of folks going to those churches mm-hmm. eventually, and they're getting impacted by this kind of teaching, and they're influencing others with this kind of teaching, and that is where you're starting to see that there is no progressive uh, growth, that there is no breakthrough, and they're still holding on to that old ideology and theology, and then we're like, well, why is the church not transforming? And we just want to look at the big church and say, oh, well, that's because he over here driving a Bentley and a Rolls Royce. Uh-huh. 
we can talk about how that's problematic in one breath, but we don't need to ignore the problematics of what's happening in small ministries and the impact that they have on our community at large. Um, I just find that so fascinating. And I love that video it is rare that I see people calling out folks right. um, at all. And I was out. It was refreshing for me to see him say, hey, no, I'm going to stand up and, you know, say this is not OK. But the kind of prophecy that God was given, it's so common. If you don't obey, then you don't. In, in seven mm. days, your foot going to fall off. Like, that's why would terrible. You like, what kind of vengeful God do you want me to love? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't get it together when you asked me to. But could you please not make my foot fall off like <laughs> Who wants to have that kind of relationship with God? And a lot of this is fear mongering. And that is one of the biggest things I'm trying to break yeah. is this. People have really taken that uh, fear part of reverencing God as like the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us don't have a comfortable relationship with the person we're supposed to love or the deity, deity excuse me, that we're supposed to love because it's all based on fear. Yep. I love God because I don't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Whoa. What kind of hell relationship is that? <laughs> like, no, abusive. nobody should want to be in. That is abusive. Exactly. Yeah. That is abuse. And we need to acknowledge it as such. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of folks don't really want to deal with that reality because it's hard. Again, you can't shout the wall down about that. You can't create $50 miracle lines off of that. <laughs> but it is something that we need to have conversations Still about. Water. <laughs> miracle water. Listen, oh, I'm, yeah, trying, yeah. I'm trying to find water. out. I'm trying to find out if he got like an MLM program because I'm going to start selling this miracle water. Y'all playing. I'm just going to go ahead. It's going to be miracle tap water. Yep. I'm going to teach people how to transform their tap water into miracle water. That's it. That's going to be my hassle. That's it. Lord. All you need is a, is a, um, get a videotape of you preaching with a a group of a whole bunch of old black women with them shouting Uh up and uh down and put on BET early in the morning. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's uh, segue on into um, we were talking about you know some of the the toxic doctrine and teachings that sometimes go on in these churches, and I wanted uh, us to touch on purity culture for a little bit because I I know we all have had. Um, come across this doctrine every once in a while in our um life growing up so um i'll start with you first danielle oh boy okay so what's interesting about purity culture is as you said we've all been touched by it and i happen to be somebody who used to peddle it Hmm. so i um wrote a book a few years ago called closed legs you get fed and i was in the height of my purity culture (laughs) i was listen I, the Lord was going to send me my husband as soon as I pressed publish, okay? Oh That's what y'all didn't know. <laughs> I, I was already in a relationship at that point. So it was, um, that book was to help folks to kind of dive into how to navigate celibacy as a single person and as somebody who is coupled because at that point I had been in my relationship about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point a celibate relationship. And um, even in that, I feel like I was far more progressive than some of my contemporaries. You know, I encouraged masturbation. I encouraged mm-hmm. habitation. Um, I, you know, I talked about the fact that it was super cis 
this heteronormative and, you know, language and speech. And then I kind of started doing work to really, again, question. That's the period I'm in is that questioning period. So I started questioning, like, does this even make sense? Like, why is my value tied to my vagina? Right. And why is my holiness and my salvation tied to my vagina? Like, why is my body and my sexuality so repulsive to a God that's supposed to love all of me. Mm-hmm. And why is it that it's suddenly not made whole and holy until I'm married to somebody knowing that, that marriage statistics, I mean, we might not be married for 10 minutes. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> why, why am I pinning all of my sanctification on one event that really doesn't have the same kind of permanence or may not have the same kind of permanence as we ascribe to it in the church. So I started kind of questioning that. One of my first posts on Unfit Christian was celibacy ruined my dating life. Mm-hmm. So I talked then about how my preoccupation with sex um, really distracted me from the issues that were going on in my relationship at that time. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me not to really deal with those issues because I felt like as long as we continued not to have sex, then you know God would bless it and we would get married and everything would be okay because that's what you're taught yeah that's what you're taught you know you you do it the right way and then God would bless the union yeah and that's just not the truth it doesn't shield you from heartbreak it doesn't shield you from hurt and harm arguing fussing fighting it doesn't shield from any of that although that's kind of the the gift or rather the curse that we've been taught um in purity culture so that was kind of like my first formative transition away from push and purity. Then what my first viral post on the blog actually was Jose one, you just lost. Uh, (laughs) That was the first viral post that I had. And that was May of last year. And uh, that's when I started kind of breaking down. I was talking to others as much as I was talking to myself. Mm -hmm. The thing I tell people all the time is, most writing that you see comes from me. I am the first partaker. So if you feel cut up, just imagine how cut up I felt when I wrote it. I was like, okay, <laughs> you better gather your own edges, girl. Okay, get your life. So I wrote that post. You know, I went all the way through about how we put so much value on sex. Yeah. And we don't put enough value and emphasis on just building as people. And we build sex up to be this big bubble and we use it to communicate particularly in cis-heteronormative relationships, mm-hmm. we use it to communicate how we feel and the level of intimacy and trust that we want from our partners because we haven't been taught how to have conversations. Mm-hmm. We like to have sex, we don't like to talk about sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. So that was kind of one of my, my first four way into it. And then, of course, um, the infamous Heather Lindsay article. Yeah. For those of y'all who are listening and not familiar with Heather Lindsay, um, she is my arch nemesis. I'm kidding. <laughs> She is <laughs> um, She is a very notable uh, leader in the purity culture movement. Mm-hmm. She is a, I use this term loosely, pastor here <laughs> in Atlanta um, with her husband. Um, I also use that term loosely. Let me stop. That is, that's liable. Um, <laughs> so they co-pastor here and I just kind of started doing some real critical analysis about the work that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're wondering if she saw, saw it, she did and she blocked me on also three. Oh no. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the 
date. It is one of my most popular posts today. And that was just another thing I started kind of deconstructing that whole idea of why are we tying our womanhood and our value to our bodies and right. to our sexuality? Right. And why do we continue to allow churches to feed us that rhetoric? And then, of course, today um, I published the Cardi B article when I said it was time for us to stop projecting our bullshit onto Cardi B. Um, and that was really kind of like my final, like, I need y'all to know I'm not with this period of culture mess yeah. anymore. Oh, prior to that, I, I did write a, pro- a post about um, the price of purity. Mm-hmm. I talked about my regrets in participating in purity culture. So I wrote that last month. But yeah, so I released the Cardi B post today. Um, because it's a lot of folks that are in their feelings. There's a lot of Proverbs 31 women who are real upset right now yeah. because <laughs> they've been sitting around here. Their bodies just aching. Is aching and lonely and yeah. want a visitor, and they've been denying themselves. And Cardi been out here tossing that ass in a circle to and fro seventeen ways from Sunday, and she got the A care ring. And so you sitting out here lonely. You're planning your Twitter and everything. And listen, <laughs> you're you're planning your fake ass wedding on Pinterest with your secret Pinterest board because you want nobody know that you plan this fake ass wedding. <laughs> and she got her name. Yes, you're it. still over here. You're still Ooh. over here talking about I'm waiting on the Lord to send me my okay daughter. Let me know how that works out. <laughs> how is he gonna send it to you and you won't leave the house? Amazon Prime does not deliver men. Not right. flesh. To deliver you a blow-up dog, deliver you some other adult toys. Right. But they cannot deliver you a living, breathing man. Okay. Yeah. So you still waiting. You trying to be find your Boaz. Okay, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Cardi B over here going to 17 ways from Sunday and got her man. So it is just to me, it was a, a way to say, look at question what you're doing. Yeah. Because regardless of if you decide to keep your legs closed or open them to anybody who you choose to, and there's nothing wrong with either decision as long as they're rooted in sexual agency mm-hmm. and not oppression. Um when you look at it and say, okay, as a woman, you're going to get, regardless of what you choose, you're going to get hit with sexism. You're going to get hit with marginalization. Mm-hmm. You're going to be oppressed. Somebody's going to make assumptions about your sexuality. So why not just enjoy it and be who you want to be versus you trying to fit into this pick me ass mold of what these stay at home sons on Twitter are telling you that real men are looking for. And that's what like, gets me. The dudes, they are so hypocritical. They'll be like, I don't want a girl that's all in the club. I don't want a girl that's doing this. I don't want a girl that's doing that. When you look on their Instagram, those are all the girls they're hitting up in the DMs. They're not hitting up the right. quote-unquote good girl. They're not even looking her way when she come walk a pass in the library or walk past in the mall. They looking at the girl. They are, uh, not like the mall. They looking at the girl that is quote unquote, you know, dressed scantily clad, that is, you know, looking quote unquote thottish. Those are the ones that they going for. I have had a guy tell me that he was like, I really like you, but I'm just trying to save you some hurt because I'm not looking for what you're looking for right now. I'm just looking to get laid. I was like, oh, well, thanks. And I'll like, take it. Let's be, go. He's like, I'm just trying, to be, I'm trying to be nice and let you know that I don't want to play with you. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was You nice should ask him what that mouth do. <laughs> right. Like, that was really nice of him, actually. Like, you're, you just better be glad I, that he, he came out nice and said it. Nope. 
I know that was nice of him, but I just, I'm just, I appreciate it, but I'm slick like, well, darn. <laughs> no, <Not> darn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Darn. I feel you. I right, feel you. right now, I'm, I'm imagining the bitmoji that says darn. When you said that, like, I immediately saw, like, the bitmoji. I can say uh, to Danielle, because I, you know, I I don't agree with everything you said, but I do understand everything you said. And I do agree when you said that uh, we need to, we don't talk about sex. You are so right. People act like sex is a dirty word. Like, saying sex is saying, like, I'd rather talk about sex and say sex, 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 than say the F word, you know, like, I don't understand that. People right. say F and B and 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 shit and and oh, <laughs> like, no okay. that you you remind me okay uh, Juanita Bottom I to try it out A, I B, C, Juanita tried to tell you she told you stop messing around with them greased up legs in the corner that's what she <laughs> said yeah. the cussing spirit did I sound weird we know you cuss but, uh, but I know, but I don't cuss like publicly. That's you know. But anyway, you probably your five full ministry. I keep trying to tell people. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like people people say all of those things, but yet they don't want to talk about sex. Yeah, they don't want to talk about abortions. They don't want to talk about how you're not telling your son about how to wrap it up, but you can tell your daughter how to keep some clothes. That don't make no sense. Right. I, I just don't understand that. That that's a, that is a particular. My church got so mad at me. Like I was in high school and I couldn't I couldn't understand why they were like, oh, keep them closed, but you know, uh to have no to have no baby. But they weren't telling the guys this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because the 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 pastor's wife was our teacher, Wednesday school, and she was like, and ladies, my young ladies. I need you to know that so that uh, basically she said keep them close, and I basically said why, huh? and not and not to say that I I'm happy because I haven't had sex. I'm not I'm you know still a virgin. I just was I was just trying to ask her because some of my cl- close friends I know they weren't they weren't, and just mm-hmm. because they weren't don't mean they was going hell, right. and just because they weren't don't mean they was home. That that mm-hmm. just that it takes two in the church. It feels like sometimes that men don't get all of the credit that they should be getting credit for. Like they get mm-hmm. credit for the good stuff, but they don't get the credit for the bad stuff. And let me say this. I, I do want to be clear that I am not anti-abstinence at mm-hmm. all. I think it's great. I, I'm anti not making decisions about your sexuality from a place of sexual agency. That's my issue is when we make these decisions about our sexuality based on, um, being told that we're going to go to hell or we're whores or we're something negative. I, as somebody who was celibate for five years, I completely, um, and (laughs) I, I didn't lose my virginity. I was, I didn't lose my virginity. So I was 20. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was a waiter anyway. So it was kind of like, you know, I lost my virginity at 20 with, I'm, I'm a serial monogamous. So, um, you know, I, I waited five years and it was, I, I think every, every adult at some point in their life should have a period of celibacy, not mm-hmm. five years, 
<laughs> but some period where they um they're able to get in tune with themselves. There is a beauty in removing sex as a factor from your life mm-hmm. when you need to get to the root cause of, you know, maybe some deep hurts and some deep ties that are going on within you. Yeah. But um unfortunately a lot of us churched women, former and current are not making our sexual decisions from a place of agency. We're making it from a place of fear. We're making it from a place of bad theology that we have been taught and that has been repeated to us throughout our lifetimes. So I I do agree that there is uh, just this big, we like to talk about sex, but we don't like to talk about sex. Mm -hmm. And I know that that makes sense, but it does. Like we have no problem talking about like, we just going to do it, but we don't like to talk about, well, what pleases you? What mm-hmm. don't you like? And you're this is somebody that you're going to have sex with. I'm not talking about having like a whole group of people having this conversation. I mean a potential partner that you're going to be intimate with. Right. And it's almost like we have this fear of asking for our pleasure, particularly as women. We mm-hmm. treat sex as something that's done to us yep. rather than with us. Yep. And we treat um, in cis-heteronormative relationships, we treat it as... Um, Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? We treat it as our pleasure is only derived from him being him having pleasure. Because that's right. almost what we've been taught. And can you that hear is yourself? the thing I'm trying to can I hear myself? Yes. You just oh, <laughs> I just I don't know. I'm just like I'm straight crushing on your voice right now. I promise. Like you yeah. ah, oh, you weren't. I wish I could express myself. <laughs> Join well, on Wednesday. Yes, we we brought her to the other side. <laughs> I, just, I just cannot believe this right now. Are you guys listening? We can. <laughs> we can. But y'all, you have the right voice. Like it's just a radio voice. I'm, I'm Thank slick you. mad. I'm slick jealous. Can I give you your props? That's you because that's yeah. God wants me to sell this miracle tap water. I'm just trying to get it together so I can do the voiceover on the infomercial. I need to become more. I need to. You go. You make me want to go read a dictionary. Lord. (laughs) Danielle, when you You get the miracle water, make sure you promote it on Talk It Out podcast. We'll we'll give you a a slot. I got you. You know what? Y'all are going to be y'all going to be premier sponsors. Don't even worry. We got you. We got you. We ready. Like some stuff. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> some stuff I understand what you were saying, but I've been looking up some stuff as you know, <laughs> because I just didn't know the words. I had to know what you were saying, so I'm like, oh, I'm loving this vocabulary lesson that I'm getting right now. Like, but you know what? This is actually a big reason why I like to talk and why I like to run the group. Because if you just read my blog, mm-hmm. I'm pretty formal. Because I am uh, like, and I'm an academic writer, so it's kind of like that's my foundation. That's where a lot of my writing skill comes from. So you'll notice I have citations, and I use all the correct punctuation, and mm-hmm. I'm super formal and structure. But when you talk to me, you're like, "Oh, she cool." Right. I would not have gathered that <laughs> from her writing. So I try to speak in a way that I can connect people where they are. So even if I used to on the blog, I haven't done as much lately in post, but when I would introduce a concept that I would think is complicated, mm-hmm. I would put a definition for it in the parentheses in the middle of the post. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah, would help like, people like people me because that's... Yeah, people can click on it and go, oh, okay, that's what that means. Like when you start talking about cisgender heteronormativity and people are like, what? 
And so they're <laughs> able to look up those things and go, oh, okay, I get it now. So it kind of helps bring people into the fold. Um, I like to think of the work that I do as making heavy topics accessible to everyday people um, in a way that relates to where they are. It makes contextual sense for their lives. Um, so that's See, that's kind of how I, I think of it. I understood what you said, but I had to break it down into smaller words in my mind. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to give my little piece here about purity culture really quickly. I, I'm sorry. I know we we're kind of getting back. We're kind of off topic, but that's cool. Um, so for me, uh, in regards to Danielle, what you said. Um, so I am a retired thought. and um i have now i'm now married so like you're completely right in what you're saying like thoughts are out here getting married and and these people who are are not thoughting they're just basically losing so (laughs) is this a joke no this is this is real life we're not inviting i'm not inviting anybody to my marriage with me and my partner we're not doing that at all um basically we're gonna go through the drive-thru at mcdonald's and have that person do it (laughs) okay you at least gotta have a reception people just trying to come eat they don't really care about your vows they just the reception gonna be inside the mcdonald's yeah of course (laughs) everyone can get it and the ice cream machine is gonna be working Oh, if you do it at Popeyes, call me. I love Popeyes. <laughs> Katie, you a vegetarian? I don't, yeah, I'm a I'm vegetarian. Yeah, I'm a 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 vegetarian. Yeah
And um, she was like, has Kenya been keeping herself during college? And my mom was like, yeah, so far as I know. And so um, the first lady, she came up, walked up to everybody in the church and said, I just want to take this time um, to give Gabby her props. You know, she's still a virgin. She's been in college all these years and she's kept herself for the Lord. I was so shamed. I was so ashamed. And I heard some folks in the back like, she ain't no virgin. It was just so embarrassing. But like I have gotten people, people, well, people, people do not believe you nowadays. They will not believe you. They will tell you to your face, you are a liar. You, <laughs> what? You, they will tell. I've had this happen. To, like nobody believes anymore. Everybody's lost face. But you know what? That speaks to something that I've I've often criticized about purity culture. It's almost a young woman's game. When you're 25 and under, okay, that's cute. She's a virgin. Praise God. You 30 plus and you still a virgin. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with you. It's no longer honorable at that point. It becomes what's wrong with you? Why are you still a virgin? Why so are you married? I think it's very apparently. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how it makes that shift. And you're like, but this is what you told me to do. You told me to wait on my husband and he didn't happen to come before I turned 25. So, you know, what you want me to do about it? So I I, I find that interesting that, um, well, I actually, I don't find it surprising that you have to go through verification process right. with people. And also another thing about uh, purity culture that I wanted to to touch on is that purity culture is uh, really misogynistic a lot of times. A lot of yes. times it's centered around the, the women doing things right and not the, the men. Yes, absolutely. All right, so I guess we'll I guess we'll wrap this up. We had a, a, a super duper great time with you, Miss Danielle. We hope you come back with your miracle water because uh, we really had a great time, <laughs> and we think our listeners are are really going to enjoy this conversation because a lot of our listeners um, have been a part of the Black Church or you know currently. aren't aren't current are currently or atheists or whatever. So I think this will really help a lot of people. So thank you again for coming. Thank y'all for having me for real. Round of applause. We'll we'll put it in the in the podcast in the post production. Um so oh, Danielle, can you plug yourself one more time for everybody where they can find you, your blog and social media? Sure. So I'm D. Danielle Thomas of the Unfit Christian, the shot of Henny in your communion cup. If you are looking for space that will affirm and help you in your journey of questioning and finding a safe space um, that complements both what you're learning about the world and your values with God, I am that place that you can find. You can visit us at unfitchristian.com or you can follow us on social media at unfitchristian. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Whoop whoop! Everybody check her out. Let her know that we sent you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Remember, you can hit us up on our social medias. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash Talk It Out Podcast. We have an Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast and a Twitter at Talk It Out underscore pod. You can listen to Talk It Out Podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that good stuff. Wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode and for the love and support. Make sure you share it with a friend. Uh, yeah, this has been your girl Gabby, Joy, and KT, and Danielle. 
And this has been Talk It Talk Out. Talk It Out. Talk It Out. Talk It Out. Help. I'm gonna get y'all some miracle spring water for them vocals. <laughs> <laughs> Sound a little raspy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>